Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the next installment of the Second Floor Podcast. As everyone knows, I am your co-host, Kenny Buller, and I'm here with my boy, Omid. And we have a very special guest today. We are bringing on board, as you guys know, our main focus has been wanting to be inspirational women in the city, and we're bringing on board Bean Gill. Thank you. Welcome, Bean. Thanks, man. No problem. It's great to have you here today. Thank you. So I want everyone to know, Bean, that Prior to us getting this episode out, we are going to be talking a lot about Bean's story. Bean is paralyzed from the waist down, but that does not stop her in absolutely everything that she's been able to achieve. And Bean is somebody who's the Miss Wheelchair Canada 2018. She is also an amazing entrepreneur locally who has been able to create Ryu, which is a paralysis recovery center. And on top of that, this month, which is where we're recording it in February, Bean has been nominated for the Global Vision... Woman of Vision. Woman of Vision Award. Yeah. That's amazing. Thanks, man. So with all of these things, and even other things like being involved with Yeg Fitness and (laughs) and me seeing you everywhere on social media, (laughs) I'd like to first just start off by letting us know your story and and how this all came about and how you got more involved in this space of recovery. Well, it wasn't something that I wanted. It wasn't mm-hmm. something that I, obviously when I was a little kid, didn't think that I would be divorced, paralyzed without kids at 30, mm-hmm. right? Nobody really thinks that's what your life is going to end up like, but it's what happens to some people. And I guess I'll start uh, in 2012, which was, and hopefully will always remain the worst year of my life. Um, in January, I turned 30, which was no big deal. We had a sweet party and stuff. And then in April, um, I left my ex-husband after he beat me up for the first and last time. And then I went on a few months of just kind of having fun and not really dealing with my emotions and back then I never talked about my feelings or anything. And I always, always just sleep it under the rug and like, not acknowledge or deal with it and um it was yeah two months after i left my ex my dad left our family and uh two weeks later i was paralyzed and so i was in vegas when i was paralyzed and it was friday the 13th of all days um i woke up we were going to go to the pool that day so i woke up brushed my teeth washed my face and stuff uh, walked over to the window, opened up the curtains, and saw that it was raining outside. And like, when does it rain in Vegas in July, right? Yeah. Never. And so I walked back to the bed to lay down, and that was the last time I ever walked on my own. Wow. And so, uh, yeah, I was laying down with my friends, and then I had like the worst pain I've ever felt in my low back, and that lasted maybe five minutes. And then after that, I couldn't move my right leg. And then so I was bending my left leg up and down, wiggling my toes, flexing my ankle. And a couple of minutes later, I went prickly from my hip to my toes. And that's it. I was left paralyzed from the waist down. Really? Yep. Wow. So this was something that you never would have saw coming. And it wasn't even from like a freak accident. No. I didn't do anything. You know, it just kind of was sudden onset paraplegia is what the doctor said. And then uh, I'm an x-ray tech by trade, right? And so I'm logically thinking about your spinal cord and where your, my pain was so low that your spinal cord splits before he gets there. And so I was just kind of thinking like what's actually happening inside my body. 
Um, anyways, called 911, went to the hospital, they did a full spine MRI right off the bat, that came back negative, and then they started doing all the other tests and everything came back negative. And I was there for 12 days. My sister and my mom came, um, so this happened on a Friday. They were there Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And um, my sister stayed for a week, and then my mom stayed with me for the whole time, for the whole 12 days while I was in the hospital there. And basically, they told me that there was nothing physically wrong with me. They couldn't find anything physically wrong with me. So they told me I had conversion disorder, yeah. which is where you're so stressed out that your brain tells your body to shut down. And given my year, I yeah. was like, okay, right? Yeah, this is... A, Everything that happened. Sure, right? I'd never dealt with anything. Um, and so one of my best friends, she's a life coach. And when I was telling her, I was in the hospital there talking to her, telling her what happened. And she's like, Bean, this is God literally stopping you in your tracks and making you deal with your shit. Really? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I think you're right, man. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're she right. <laughs> said it how it was, hey? Yeah. yeah. Is that because at the time there was just so much happening in your life or maybe you've maybe felt like you were running away from certain problems that needed to be dealt with or? Of course. Yes. Yeah. Like I was not hanging out with a good crowd. I was not making the right decisions. I was partying a lot and doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. And Mm -hmm. had this not have happened to me, I don't know where my life would have ended up. Wow. Right? Yeah. And so, like, at that time, obviously, it was terrible and scary and really hard to go through and even hard to, like, process mm-hmm. that it was happening. But, like, now, I'm, you know, six and a half years later, I see that it, I see why it happened. Really? Right? Then I was asking, like, why me? What did I do to deserve this? Yeah, why am I in a wheelchair while my idiot ex is running around? Yeah. Not an issue in the world, right? Exactly. <laughs> like, Going through all the reasons of saying, yeah. okay, well, why me? Why did I deserve this? Why, yeah. especially when it's something that you didn't even see coming, <clears throat> right? Like mm-hmm. those are the, the the scariest things that we deal with in life is where you go about everything that happens and you'll never even believe that something that tragic could happen. And I mean, we all think we're invincible, right? It's yeah. not going to happen to me. I'm going to drink and drive. That's going to happen to me, right? Exactly. Like we all have that mentality. Everybody does. Right? Unless you're a parent really paranoid and you think everything's going to happen to you. But majority of people don't think anything's going to happen. And you know, six and a half years later, so much stuff has happened to me. I still yeah. think that nothing's going to happen to me. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm yeah. still, yeah, let's go skydiving totally. for sure. Dude, yeah. let's yeah. do it. Right? I love that. But like, it's just our programming. Exactly. Mm-hmm. When, when do you think being you started to accept the reality that you were about to now? live into like was I it honestly a long... don't even think i still have even accepted it yeah yeah i appreciate the honesty yeah yeah like yes i use a wheelchair but i don't consider myself disabled right i don't think i have a disability i just like my legs don't work mm-hmm. and uh like i know i'm gonna walk again and i'm always gonna strive for that and always that's always my goal yeah but like i don't know i can't I don't know. It's, and every person so different, right? Yes. So like... It's all case by case yes. in a sense, right? And it's your personality and it's your attitude of how you're going to deal with things and how you react to things, right? Yeah. And so to me, I don't know. I've just never felt like, okay, this is my life, right? Exactly. Yeah. No, totally. I yeah. Just to level set with you, I mean, it's not even remotely anywhere near what you went through, but to, to understand what that even... What like a... A snippet of that felt like is when I broke my jaw 
and I was hospitalized for seven days and it happened in my first MMA fight. Mm -hmm. And again, you're thinking already at that point that you're on top of the world. You know, you had the best training camp. You did everything you could and you go in there and then some earth shattering Mm -hmm. physical accident happens and it changed my entire view on life, Mm -hmm. right? And again, I I ask acceptance for you because there's even moments in my life now where it's like, okay, can I accept the fact that I may never be able to fight again Mm -hmm. because of the... You could say the insecurities that yeah. you will still have, yeah. but you, you keep very deep inside of you. Like it's something that you don't want to just share with anybody. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I, I respect you so much. I'm so glad we're sitting here today because you're an advocate for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're doing certain things that maybe certain people who have been in a similar situation as you would think it's near to impossible to do, mm-hmm. right? And I, I'd like to know how maybe when you felt like that time or okay even if you haven't accepted it yet when did you feel like you could still do things that you were able to do that maybe others would feel like bean what are you doing it's yeah like, you can't do that anymore it was probably like a year after i was paralyzed like the first year was definitely the hardest as my sister <laughs> the hardest right mm-hmm. like your whole life it gets flipped upside down right you go from being fully independent, like I had a really well-paying job, I had a really nice car, did whatever, bought whatever I wanted, yeah. and then all of a sudden, bam, your income is cut off. You are 100% reliable. Like I had, I couldn't even sit up, I couldn't roll over. Like my mom had to do everything for me, right? And like I had my brother had to like transfer me around. I couldn't move myself, mm-hmm. and like you know, it's it's a hard hit on your ego. Yeah, big time. Huge. It's a very humbling experience to not be in control of your body and uh, to be reliant on other people for almost everything. Yeah. And then, um, so I kind of fell through the cracks of the medical system as well. Mm-hmm. When I, because I was paralyzed in Vegas, I was discharged and flew home commercially like WestJet, just yep. flew home. And then they told me that I needed to see a, psycho- a psychiatrist because whatever it was, it was a mental block and I needed to figure that out. And then they told me that most people get full recovery like within two weeks. So I was like, solid. Okay, yeah. cool, man. I can do this for two weeks. Anyways, went to the um, Grey Nuns, right? Sat and emerged for bloody eight hours. Talked to the psychologist who is an Indian guy. And he just like told me basically there's nothing wrong with you. And he asked me, he said, uh, most people who this happens to have a large monetary gain coming towards them. So do you? I'm like, no, dude. Like, I can't work right now, yeah. so I'm actually losing money here. Exactly. You're like, the last thing I'm thinking about yeah. is money right now. Yeah. yeah. So I was just really annoyed. And yeah. like, you know, I did not want to stay in the hospital, so I refused. So I went home. And then um, <clears throat> my family doctor was really good. And uh, my legs started spasming, maybe like... I think it must have been six weeks after mm-hmm. and it was really bad like i'd go over a bump in a sidewalk and my legs would shoot straight and i'd slide out of the wheelchair like it's, oh, no. it was bad and so he sent me for another mri because he's like this is not conversion it doesn't uh display it like this right mm-hmm. so i went for another mri and that was in october 2012 and i at this point i had had about 30 mris okay so like wow. i'm like okay well it's not going to show anything because none of the other ones did yeah, yeah. whatever um, but this one showed something. This one had showed a lesion in my spinal cord at T10, T11 on the left-hand side. And so, uh, and then in the report it said it looks like transverse myelitis. And so, obviously, I googled transverse myelitis yeah. and should not have. 
Um, but basically transverse myelitis is where you have one lesion on your spinal cord or brain. And as soon as you have two lesions, you're diagnosed with MS. Oh no. Yeah. And MS hits healthy 30 year old women and Alberta has the highest rate of MS in the world. Really? Yes. Yeah. Um, and so that was a hard pill for me to swallow and I just, you know, that sunk my depression a little bit lower. I think that that's what like kind of kickstarted it. Yeah. Uh, I cried for a long time. And At that like, point, it felt like it was not getting better. It was getting worse. Well, I just thought that that's what my future was going to be. Yeah. Right? And then plus, like, I was, like, watching YouTube videos of, like, people who have TM. And, like, they were not positive videos. Mm -hmm. They were really sad and negative And I was joining these Facebook groups of people who have them. And they were just constant people bitching and complaining. And so, like, you know, you get wrapped up into it, right? Yeah, because, yeah. like, yeah, this fucking sucks. You're looking I don't for answers, do this. right? Yeah. You're not like, only at that point seeking medical advice. You're also thinking, okay, well, if I'm not getting the medical attention I deserve, let's hear what the people are saying. Well, and it's just like, it. yeah, I want to know, will I get better? Am I going to get better? What's my life going to look like, right? Yeah. And so once I got that diagnosis, like, a whole bunch of doctor's appointments kicked off. And, like, so much. I was already doing physio, a lot of physio. And, uh... And then, like, December rolled around, and we were supposed to go to Puerto Rico, me and my sister and a bunch of our friends. Nice. And then I had to cancel my trip, right? And then, like, everybody else still went. And it was December, so it was, like, everyone's posting happy Christmas pictures, and here's my tree, and here's this, and here's that. And I was just like, fuck yeah, off. Exactly. <laughs> right? like, I do not want to see that. your jolly damn yeah. face. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and so, like, I was just really angry right really depressed really insecure didn't like anything about myself and like i was eating everything in sight so yeah. i was gaining weight really fast too finding and, different ways to cope with it yeah and you right? don't really notice how much weight you're gaining when you're sitting all the time yeah right and so um yeah i ended up gaining like 20 pounds in two months mm -hmm. and um then in january i had an appointment with the doctor at the glen rose so I went there and he told me, he's like, yeah, he's like, you have to be admitted. And I was like, no, I'm not living in a fucking hospital. Yeah. And at that time I had a catheter, an indwelling catheter, because I had no bowel or battle bladder control, right? Yeah. And um, so that's what they wanted. They wanted me to get rid of the catheter and to learn how to intermittently cath myself so I can pee like every four hours. Oh, really? That's a reality of spinal cord injury, right? A yeah. lot of people think, oh, you just can't walk, but your bowel and your bladder are controlled control by your it. spinal cord. Wow. And so, yeah, everything gets, gets fucked up. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. And again, those are things that you wouldn't even expect happen until it happens. Yeah. Right? And then you sure. just get told that or it's just something you find out, yep. right? Yeah. Do you, do you feel like, I mean, now that you know these things or now mm -hmm. that you went through it, mm -hmm. what would be something that you wish you could tell yourself then? Like if you could go back to that being going through it. And, and this is the being who's, you know, after a few years of experience it, mm -hmm. experiencing it, going through it, mm -hmm. overcoming it in many ways mm -hmm. and doing the things that you've achieved now and being that you're so positive because I love your energy. <laughs> what would you say to that being who's, who's that? I would tell stage? her that everything is going to be okay. Yeah. You're going to be okay. Like you're, you know, cause then I didn't know that. Yeah. Right? And you know what, you know, what's crazy about that is like, I find that when we're all in, in situations of like being at the bottom of the barrel and, and being through severe pain, like going through that emotionally, physically, we always look at it day by day, right? And I, I started thinking, you know what? Looking at it day by day might feel very excruciating, 
It might feel like somebody, let's say, who's in jail, and they're like, okay, 365 days till I'm out. Mm -hmm. That might sound like a lot. Mm -hmm. And then when you kind of think of it differently and you go, okay, well, why don't we look at it maybe month by month? Mm -hmm. Maybe let's look at it week by week. Mm -hmm. And let's see, how did I feel last week compared to this week? You know, what have I done in between that time to now Mm -hmm. to make myself feel better? And I'm just wondering for you, like, what were some of those recovering strategies or some of those things that did help you cope and like this is for the audience that's listening Mm -hmm. who is going through what you went through Mm -hmm. or they have or maybe they're about to and and then they could really understand what worked for you compared to what didn't well one of the my biggest saving grace was because of my misdiagnosis i was forced to see a psychologist right because it was a mental thing i had to unlock it so when i got back that's one of the first things i did was i found a psychologist and i started going to her two three times a week and then it slowly dwindled down but like uh she really helped me deal with not only my paralysis but my divorce and my upbringing and all the traumatizing things that happens when you're a first generation indo-canadian living in edmonton sure right and uh my whole family started seeing her everybody because it's not just one disability doesn't just affect one person everybody your whole family dynamic is thrown off right changes everyone is affected and um she really helped me like deal with all of the stuff that's happened to me in a healthy way without um substance yeah right wow um whether it be food alcohol drugs whatever it's coping mechanisms right and so she really helped me um you know, find myself again and like just kind of acknowledge all the stuff that's happened and like, you know, let yourself feel the pain and then kind of move through it. Yeah. And uh, so that's, I highly recommend that everybody see a psychologist, whether you have some sort of great adversity or not. Yeah. It's really good to have somebody that is going to give you the tools that you, to deal with and won't judge you on it. Yeah. And um, yeah, they're expensive, but like, I don't know, peace of mind and like being able to understand yourself and move through the adversity that's going to happen to you because no one is immune from adversity, right? Bad yeah. shit's going to happen to every single person on this earth. Yeah. Right? In one way, shape, or form. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I'd really say like for sure she helped me a lot. Wow. And then also my family and friends, right? People, yeah. they didn't treat me different. I mean, they, everybody treats me a little bit different, but like you know um it's funny they always say like you find out who your true friends are when yeah. you go through something traumatizing true. yeah like two of my very best friends neither of them came to see me really yeah oh man and then this, that's ridiculous and then like these guys who've been friends with like when tim went to high school with them like a bunch of brown guys they were at my house almost every day like yeah. every week took them took me out for dinner and stuff like Isn't that, that interesting? And, like, to this day it's They're like the ones that there. the ones that were closest to you and who didn't show up. It's like they feel like they don't want to get involved. Yeah. Like they feel like they're going to have to heavily get involved in your situation yeah. and they decide to take a major step back. Yeah. Which to me is disgusting. Yeah. Like just shows your true testament of friendship right yep. there. Right? For them. Yep. So that that's incredible and it's crazy yeah. to know that those are all the things that happen. And, and mm. you touched on something that I'm really curious about is do you think that by having the psychologist... Uh, help you but not only you but your family as well oh, 100%. did that improve your family dynamic in yes. a way yeah 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 just because everyone everyone's allowed to feel how they're going to feel right 
siblings, my mom, like my mom had to quit one of her jobs so she could take yeah. care of me all the time. Plus my dad had just left too, yeah. right? So it's not just one thing. Plus I'm going through divorce now, Lots right? Like there's a lot of layers to this and a lot of drama happening and stuff. And so I really think it helped. And like, I still see my therapist once or twice a year, kind of whenever I need to now. But like, you know, it just, I don't know. It was definitely has helped of course. everybody. How would you say you handle change now? Like now that you've gone through such a heavy <laughs> moment in your life of yeah. like, like flip the book, completely different yeah. side of the yeah. paper. How does that look now for when maybe you're foreseeing change happening? Oh, I just got to roll with it, man. Yeah, roll I the punches, right? I don't expect anything from anybody really, right? You got to keep, keep your expectations low. And like yeah. one of the biggest things coming out of this in my priority list is fun. If I'm not having fun, what the yeah. fuck am I doing? Exactly. Straight up, I right? I love that. And that's, that's the crazy part is like, sometimes something so tragic can happen to somebody and then it's as if they think it's going to suck the fun out of their life. So well, I, it I love how you put while. that. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, right? You know, we're doing the, the day-by-day thing. I think yeah. that really, something like hits you and then all you think about is that thing. Mm-hmm. Like 24-7, 365. Yeah. Um, for that period of time anyway. Of course. Yeah. 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 It's, in, it's insane. You you really hit me with that story. I didn't even expect it to go yeah. anything like that, <laughs> right? To, to, you know, take a turn for the positive. Mm-hmm. When you decided to open up Ryu, mm-hmm. how much, how much has that opened up your ideas on, on helping people out similar to you? Like what, what exactly uh, led you to that? And, and how soon after did this start? So I'm just wondering and sure. share everybody what Ryu really okay. is from okay, your perspective. Well, before I get to Ryu, um, it was while I was in the Glenrose, there was one day where my paradigm shifted completely, right? So up until then, I was very, woe is me. Why did this happen to me? I don't deserve this. And then I was having lunch one day with my roommate and this other girl who is a high-level quadriplegic. And she says to us, will either of you walk again? And my roommate's like, this bitch will. And like, they laughed and stuff, but like, I was overcome with guilt. So much guilt came over me. And she said, I would be happy if I could move a fucking finger. And it was that moment that I was like, okay, Bean, you're not allowed to feel sorry for yourself anymore. Because at that time, like, I have my hands. Right, and I'm so grateful for my hands and my arms. And at that time, I was standing with the walker, but like not walking or anything. But I knew, like I knew in my heart that I would be walking and that I'm going to be okay, right? And it was like, and we're really good friends now. The three of us still are friends. And actually, the girl, the quadriplegic, she's on our board of directors wow. of Ryu because without her saying that, yeah, my mind shift might not have changed. Of course, right? And. Uh, you know, then I started getting back into like, you know, kind of working out and stuff. And I'd always worked out since I was like 12 years old. But after I was paralyzed, I just kind of like forgot about everything. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was doing physio four times a week and doing whatever I could at home. Um, But it never occurred to me to just like keep working out. Mm -hmm. Right. And so then I was at the Glenrose when I found out about a place in California called Project Walk. It's a spinal cord injury recovery center. And so my mom Googled it and she found a place in Regina that uh, was an affiliate of theirs. And so I was discharged from there and then I, me and my mom drove to Regina. We spent a week there 
and I love the program. Just fell in love with it. It's just yeah. straight up working out. You're in a gym. Um, it's obviously with assistance and stuff, right? Yeah. But like just the trainers, everybody treated you like normal and you just felt normal. Yeah. And that was a feeling I hadn't felt in a long time. And so then we came back. Um, my brother and cousins built me a table, like a workout table. Mm-hmm. And then um, my mom was like, you know, I have three weeks off. Why don't we just go to California? So I was like, yeah, I'm not cool. going to say no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How can you say no to that? Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. And so we went to California. And in the one week of training there, it was I saw incredible results. Like, I have a lot of spasticity and tone in my legs, which means um, they're very spastic, right? They Mm -hmm. spasm all the time. Um, And it's like a double-edged sword because, it's one, it's nice to have muscles. I don't control them, though, right? They're very, very strong. Mm -hmm. I fight my legs every day. My abs spasm, which, I mean, is not that bad, but it's, like, super lopsided, right? Yeah. And so... um, Anyways, in the whole year, first year of being paralyzed, I went through a lot of physiotherapists and not one person could get my ankle to 90 degrees because my toes would point. I had extensor spasms, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. Like my calves are that tight that no one that could, intense. no one it could flex bend them. bend normally. It'd be like no, this. Like, yeah. Knees hyperextended. Even wow. right now they are hyperextended and yeah. toes pointed, right? Anyways, in one, after one week in California, they had me standing on my flat feet. On the Friday, I was like, holy wow. shit. Yeah. Sold. Just the work that they were able to do, Sold. right? Sold. Oh, yes. That's awesome. And so that is really what kickstarted it off. And yeah. so all of the trainers down there are either kinesiologists or exercise therapists. Yeah. And so while I was down there, I Googled the U of A because I knew I was going to get a home program from them. And so I wanted to find a kinesiology student who would help me carry out my home program. And so found Google the U of A, found this guy's email address, emailed him. He asked me a bunch of questions, I told him all the answers, and he found it out to the whole faculty as a job posting. Mm-hmm. And so Nancy was one of the people who replied to my job posting, and I ended up hiring her and another girl, and they were working um, like set opposite days. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I was doing six days a week, three to four hours every day. Wow. Intense. If you want to get out of this damn wheelchair, yeah. one hour a day is not going to do anything. Yeah, you have to put in the time. Yes, right? 24-7. Pretty much feels like a job in and of itself at that 100%. point. 100%. It right? was my job. My Yeah, my job has been uh, working out for like the last six years. Nice. <laughs> it doesn't pay very well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so and then Nancy and I met and we started working out. And then six months later, I went back to California. And she came with me for the last week. This time we went for five weeks. Um, and yeah, so she came with me, she, we did the train your trainer program and that's where she kind of found her confidence because here she couldn't ask anybody, right? Nobody knows what this this is. Um, nobody's ever doing it. So there's no one really to bounce ideas off of. So down there, that's when she got her confidence and validation. Like, okay, I am doing this right. I am, I do know what I'm doing and stuff. And so when we got back, that's when things kind of kicked off, like, Anybody that I would meet in my journey who's in a wheelchair, I'm like, man, you got to work out with Nancy. Like, she's yeah. dope, right? Cool. And so then she was going to people's houses, meanwhile, still going to school yeah. and training people. And then we just saw a need. We saw yeah. a need here. Um, I talked about opening a franchise of Project Walk here, but trying to bring that kind of franchise over the border yeah. is ridiculous. The bread tape and their franchise fees were astronomical. Yeah. And plus, I wasn't in the right headspace yet. Mm-hmm. Right? I can respect that you say that too. Yeah. When you know that it's just not the right time yet. It wasn't the right time yet right? because the universe didn't make it happen. 
right? There was yeah. obstacles being put in our way and that's how we knew. And then it was 2016 where Nancy got a full-time job offer from Florida. Oh. And I'm like, no, you can't leave me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need you. I found exactly. you. <laughs> Please just stay. <laughs> Whatever you do, just <laughs> say no. Yeah. And so she said, well, if I'm going to stay here, we got to do something worthwhile. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I guess we're going to do this. And so then we found... She stayed then. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And so we found a marketing agency to come up with a name and tagline for us. Because awesome. we come up with them and tell our family and they would shoot it down. And her and I were just getting so frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst. Hey, the name. Yeah. We have that, we have that yeah. problem, too. Right? The name is the hard part. Yeah. It's tricky because it's like it means everything. It's what everyone's going to say. What everyone's yeah. going to remember it by. That's your right? brand. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So then we found um, Zag Creative. They took us on pro bono. Everybody who did a lot of our work for us took us on for free because I had no money to invest. Nancy had no money to invest. So we started Ryu with zero dollars. And um, when you have a compelling story and you are out there in people's faces, it's hard for them to say no to you. Yeah. Right? And so, yeah, it was a lot of people helped us. A lot of people helped us get off the ground. And we found a shared space with Parkinson Association of Alberta. Cool. So we rented the gym from them. Yeah. And um, we started out slow, right? We started April 2017, mm-hmm. registered as a nonprofit, and uh, like I have no business experience. I'm an yeah. X-ray tech. Like I can tell you about your bones. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but, like I can tell you about how healthcare works, but yeah. like not a business. And so it's just been like... It's like a learning experience along the way about the business side, right? Yeah, yeah, huge learning curve. But yeah, in April 2017, we opened Ryu, and we started at the end of the month. We had six clients, and now we're coming up on our second year anniversary, and we're at over 75 clients, five staff members in a 5,000-square-foot facility. Holy moly, that's amazing, man. That jump... In the yeah. past two years is insane. insane. Mm-hmm. And again, it just goes to show it's about how you said it. Like, you're, you're in people's faces. Like, you, the passion behind your story and what this means to you mm-hmm. and actually helping people in that regard. Mm-hmm. And and I love seeing that because I'm all about certain stories where people find their niche. Yeah. They stick with it. Yeah. And they see how much improvement they make. And I think I'd love for you, if you're willing, like, sh- maybe share, like, a success story of somebody who has come into the, yeah, the recovery sure. center. Sure. And maybe from, like, start to finish, you saw how much it's changed their life, yeah. uh, similar to yours, sure. by them uh, making it a priority to rehabilitate themselves. Well, everybody who's in our facility, all of our clients, everyone is super motivated, right? Because when you, either you're born with a disability or it's thrust upon you, right? And you want more you want to achieve more you want to be accepted by the able-bodied community Mm -hmm. and you want to have a healthy life most people do they want to live a long time they want to live a happy healthy life Mm -hmm. and there was just nowhere for anybody to go before to have the tools and resources to do that and so for me to be able to provide that for other people is huge because like in my first year I felt really isolated right like yes I had my family I had my friends but did they really understand what I was going through? No. They tried, but you can't, right? Unless yeah. you're in that, you, you can't. It's true. And so um, I just want, I don't want anybody else to go through their first year by themselves. Yeah. Right? Or to have to go through, you know, their adversity and stuff by themselves exactly. and like feel like there's no one there to support them. Yeah. And so for Ryu, for me, a big thing of it was to create a community. 
It's great to create a community of love and support and judgment free. And that's the biggest thing in our facility is we don't treat people like they have a disability. We treat people like people. And that's a very foreign concept to a lot of people um, just because of our, how we're raised and our programming and our society that Mm -hmm. like people with disabilities are often thought of as shameful, less than, right? Like uh, I was just talking to my sister today, but Mm -hmm. people treat me differently, right? And I noticed it. A lot of people don't make eye contact with me. They'll only talk to the person I'm with. They won't talk to me. No, they won't even look at you. Yeah. A lot of people or... There would be the other side where they'll just come up to me and be like, what happened? Really? What happened really? to your legs? Oh, geez. You broke your legs? <laughs> How much does that annoy you? It used to really bother me a lot. <laughs> yeah. In my first mm. couple of years, I would get very uh, irritated and then mostly I would just cry. Yeah. Right? Of course. Yeah. But like now I just kind of use it as... Uh, and a t- an opportunity to teach. Yeah, an right? educational moment. Yes, because now I'm confident in myself and yeah. I'm like, I feel okay with myself. That's awesome. And so back then I didn't and that's why I felt very attacked by everybody and judged and like looked down upon. And yeah. so it was really hard to like wrap your head and around And see, I that. hope people are hearing this and seeing it, but like I, they don't get the chance to feel the energy you bring <laughs> into a room and you exude confidence. Thanks, man. Which is awesome. Thank you. Right? Like you have this energy to you being that like I for one like I I wish we could go longer than an hour you know because (laughs) you bring it and I find that that's what works really well for you and I bet you that's a big testament to how you even were able to get up to 75 people Mm -hmm. to come into your recovery studio right yeah and I think that that dialogue it's it's important for you to maybe if you're willing to share Mm -hmm. what does that sound like when like someone does go and and they, they ask you now what do you end up saying back like, what does that uh, conversation look like where you end up allowing yourself to educate somebody? Um, well, I was taking Uber for a while last year, and a lot of Uber drivers are Indian men, right? Yeah. And so I, in my Uber, nowhere does it say that I have a wheelchair, nothing, right? Because I can transfer in and out. I can take my own wheelchair apart. Yeah. You just throw it in the trunk, whatever. It's easy as that. And so when they would come to my house to pick me up, Right? They just call me. I'm here. Okay, I'll open the door. I come outside. I got my chair. I got two bags. I got my walker. And a lot of the time, their looks on their faces are like, oh, shit. Oh. Ah, oh, fuck. I yeah. got to take this girl. Right? And then, you know, we get in the car and stuff. And then I, you know, start talking. And, you know, it's kind of awkward, right? Yeah. There's awkward silence and stuff. But I would usually start the conversation and whatever they'd be like oh where am I taking you I'm like oh I'm going to work and they're like oh where where do you work and I just say oh I opened a non-profit it's a paralysis recovery center and that kind of was like oh well what happened to you and as I say I had a virus right Mm -hmm. a virus that attacked my spinal cord and whatever kind of just share the story that I shared with you guys yeah yeah um and then it you know I've had quite a few of the drivers at the end when they dropped me off be like you really made me think differently about a lot of people so thank you and that's the response I want, right? Yeah. Because like, yeah, I'm Indian. Yeah, I have a disability, yeah. right? And yeah. like, there's a lot of people in a lot of cultures with disabilities, but do you see them in the, in the world? You don't. You don't. They're hiding. They're hiding. Right? Because it's shameful. It's so ridiculous. Yes. Right? Or yes. you know what's the scariest part is, just as scary, is they don't even share it with their families, right? Like they don't want to be a burden. Yeah. That's the way they look at it. Yeah. And that's a sad reality. Yeah. Right? Like... I know it's very common in, in the East Indian community, right? But, mm-hmm. like, I think it's so sad where it's like, why can't we reach a point where, you know, we, we, we put out our hand and be like, 
seek for help. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, so... that's where it's going now, right? Like, it's 2019. Exactly. This is the future. Totally. Right? People are like, oh, the future is in two, you know, 2000 years. But, like, <laughs> no, dude. Now. Like, it's right now. Yeah. There's hoverboards and, like, everybody has a cell phone and the future is now. Yeah. Right? So why are we still living in the 1800s with our mentality? That's so true. And it's such a it's such a trickle effect too, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you're able to share what you shared with an Uber driver or, or anybody, mm-hmm. that's now something that they're gonna stick with and they're gonna tell their family. They're gonna mm-hmm. maybe they have kids, they're gonna share it to yep. them or, or any of their loved ones. Yeah. So it's really neat what that could do for the community, right? Yeah. To to ask on the note being of your situation with the non for profit, mm-hmm. do you see yourself wanting to to still be involved for as long as you can? Or is this something that you're going to pass on the torch to? I really don't know. Yeah. I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. We're two years in. And, I mean, I've tried to plan my whole life, and it did not go according to plan. Yeah. So I don't know where we're going to be in five years. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see, right? Obviously, like, Ryu is really important to me. It's important that it's successful and that it lasts a long time. Totally. But I got a really good piece of advice from an older lady when we were just starting Ryu that, um, you know, uh, how what tanks a lot of businesses and stuff is people not willing to let go. And I'm the executive director right now, but there mm-hmm. may come a time where somebody comes and has a better vision, has more experience and a better path to take Ryu to the next level where yeah. I can't, right? And so I always remember what that lady said, and you try not to let your ego ever like get past you or get too big, yeah. because that's really going to block your vision and uh, you know hinder your progress. Exactly. And so I don't know where I would be in two years, five, five years. I yeah. have no idea. Well, at least you no know idea. now what you're doing right now is amazing, Straight right? Up. And that's the point, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. That's so cool. And I guess you did ask me about a client. Yeah, some yeah. Success stories, of course. So one of our biggest success stories is our very first client. He has an aneurysm on his brain stem. He's in his 40s, super smart guy, he's a pilot, um, but he was locked in his body. So when he came to us, he was non-communicative. He has like a very spastic, right? Um, the only way, he came to us like this, and the only way he could communicate was rolling his eyeballs up and moving his thumb this much. Wow. That's how he communicated. They would say A, B, C, D, and then he would lift his thumb for that letter, and then you go through the alphabet again, and that's how he would communicate. Yeah. And so um, he has been coming to us for three times a week. After a year of coming to us and working with us and stuff, he's able to speak verbally. Mm-hmm. He can write. You have to lift his arm up because uh, anti-gravity, right? Gravity is too hard for him still, but you can hold a pen. He can write. Wow. He, uh, just a couple of months ago, he came in and um, I was like, hey, dude. And he's like, hey. That's awesome. Wow. And then when he's like, he's like, there's something different about me. And we're like trying to find like, what? Did you get a haircut? Like, what? What is it? He's like, you got to watch. And he checks his time. Oh, nice. This last week, his wife emailed me. It's a victory moment. Just being he, yeah, his that. wife emailed me last week, and she's like, "Hey, he has his own email email address. He's not, he uses his tablet a lot more. He don't email me anymore. Email him directly." Wow. I was like, "Man, like such a big victory, that right?" Is huge. And for he was he loved cooking. He was a great chef, and but he was on he was being tube fed because he couldn't swallow, couldn't couldn't control his mouth. Yeah. yeah. Um, now he eats. He's eating through his mouth. Oh my goodness, that's so awesome! That's yep. huge. Huge. What What did s- someone like that have to 
go through in the re- rehab. So I'm just curious to know, like, if you're really going to share, of course, yeah, right? Yeah, like, of course. what you guys put him through and what were some of those exercises? What was that psychological development maybe that went in hand? It's a lot it? of things, right? Um, for him, we started with eye tracking, right? So holding a light, going this way, going that way, keeping your head still, following the light so you can control both eyes. Right. And then um, we did a lot of hand therapy. We did a lot of core, a lot of stretching. When you're in one position for a long time, your body's going to get contractures and stuff. Right. And so then trying to release that, trying to get him to his neck control, get his head up. Um, And like a really cool piece of equipment we have is virtual reality. And we're the first um, center to offer virtual reality as part of, neuro, of a neuro rehab That's clinic awesome. in Canada. The technology, so the future, right? It's dope, man. That's sweet. Yeah. And so, you know, when you put virtual reality on someone and you take their brain out of it, like little kids, little kids will do things and they don't think about it. They don't, they don't know they're working out, right? Yeah. They just saw playing like, oh, here's something sparkly up here. My, yeah. Meanwhile, their legs are running or doing whatever, right? Exactly. But as adults, we don't have that luxury of turning our brains off. But when you mm-hmm. put virtual reality on somebody and suddenly their head is a cannon and you're shooting dinosaurs or you're feeding puppies yeah right you're moving your head you're doing all sorts of things you yeah. take that off that you and normally like, wouldn't have done yes wow it's very cool that's amazing that's cool. Yeah. yeah it's real cool. the tie-in yeah and th- this is speaking volumes to me because i i have really close people in my life who could most definitely benefit from what you, you're, you're doing, mm-hmm. right? From what you guys are offering. And so many times, these loved ones of mine spend so much time and money and mm-hmm. energy into what their doctors are going to tell mm-hmm. them, into what uh, the physio is going to do for them, and not bashing physio at mm-hmm. all. But I just realized that we need to figure out this holistic approach. Agreed. Where you don't undermine the, the brain or, or the mind. Right, because that is like you said. We touched on the psychology. We touched on certain brain like games with virtual reality. Mm-hmm. It's all tapping into the brain. I mean, we don't really know what our brain is capable of. Yeah. Right. Neuroplasticity is a really new topic in Canada, but I mean, Canada is thirty years behind the states. The states is fifty years behind Europe. We yeah. are way far behind the times That's in true. medical in neuro rehab. Right. And like being an x-ray tech, I know how the medical system works. I've seen the ins and outs of it. I worked right next to doctors and stuff. I understand the system. The system is made. It's a business. It's not a system. It's a business. What brings in business? Sick people. Right. Why are we going to fix a problem? We're just going to treat your symptom and then you come back later. Yeah. We don't have time to fix your problem. We don't have time. I only have 15 minutes. I'm going to see you get in, get out. Here's your prescription. See you later. For the most part. Yes. Very temporary. Yes. Right? Yeah. But with us, we're like, let's try to find the root cause and let's try to fix it. Right? The thought process has been if you have a brain injury or spinal cord injury, that's it, man. Sorry, bro. What you got is what you got. But that is absolutely false. So true. You give somebody hope. You tell somebody that, you know what? I don't know if you're going to walk again, but neither does that doctor. Only God knows. Nobody knows. Let's try. Yeah. What's the worst that's going to happen? Definitely. Right? And I mean, of course, we're very cautious. Everything is very methodical. Uh, Nancy is very by the book, right? Our mm-hmm. last, the one thing we don't want to do is injure somebody or like, you know, have somebody regress. Yeah. And so the methodologies and stuff, it, there's been studies done on activity-based training. Um, it works. There's been studies done on it, right? It's legit. Yeah. I'm living proof. Oh, it of works. Yeah. Exactly. Right? And all it is is exercise. That's it. Yeah. It's the same. We do squats. We do lunges. We do shoulder press. We do chest press. Back extension. Yeah. 
Same you're thing. doing you're doing uh, mitt hitting. Like when I saw you hitting pads at the yeah, boxing well, gloves, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. I love it. It's awesome. Yeah, right? I got three bags um, donated nice. and Good so stress we're reliever, hang hey. them up. Yeah. That's sweet. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious as to, you know, there's a lot of, like, we've been talking about a lot of exercise, but I'm curious as to know how much is it uh, mental game and what you maybe, maybe mental exercises that you've put yourself through or put your clients through um, that can get them to do, maybe do the exercises or go beyond what they thought. Like what they yeah. could do at home. Yeah, like all of it. Like yeah. I mean, most of, most people probably know that they have to do some sort of exercise or yes. something. Yeah. But as far as like mentally, like what are the? I'm sure there are some some exercises or things that you put yourself yep. through yep. on a daily to. Well, it's just like anybody, right? Like the majority of my job is talking to people, right? Like Nancy does the training. She's the lead lead trainer. She does the training side of things. But people come to me to talk. Yeah. And yeah. whether it's them, whether it's their caregivers, whether it's their family members, loved ones, whatever, they want to talk to somebody who gets it, right? And who can understand. And um, we tell a lot of people, especially like uh, whenever we get new assessments, that 90% of your recovery is your attitude. Yeah. If you have a bad attitude, bad things probably going to happen. Yeah. Right? If you have a good attitude, good things are probably going to happen. Totally. And it's hard to have a good attitude all the time. Yeah. And I don't have a good attitude all the time. Everybody has bad days, whether you have a disability or not, right? We're humans. Mm-hmm. But like you have to let yourself feel that. And like I tell people that I have rules for my pity parties, right? Like one, no one else is invited. And two, it's only like two hours, right? Oh. Feel it, cry, stomp around, feel sorry for yourself, eat all the chocolate you want. And then it's time to move forward, yeah. <laughs> right? Because like you can't that. get stuck in that. But a lot of people get stuck in that. And that's the hard part. And then for like, you know, with our clients and stuff, um, like I said, the community, right? Yeah, yeah. So we try to, in, you know, introduce people to other people. We're going through friends. similar mm-hmm. yeah, situations. Right? And right? like do things that you would do in your normal life. And uh, like just going for dinner, right? It's a big thing for a lot of people. And when you have a disability... People stare all the time, mm, right? Yeah. If you have hand uh, impairments, as a lot of my friends are quadriplegics, right? And so they eat differently, they yeah. drink differently, um, but everybody stares, right? Yeah. Because because we're not in the community all the time. Mm-hmm. When we are, you're very visible and people are very curious, right? And oftentimes, it's not like staring with malicious intent. Mm-hmm. It's curiosity, Right? They're like, yeah. oh, I wonder how he's going to eat that. He just ordered a steak? Yeah. How the fuck is he going to cook a steak? <laughs> yeah. Right? He just ordered a burger? Yeah. Like, how what? are they going to do that? Yeah. Right? Wow. And so, like, yeah. it's funny because now me and my, like, wheelie peeps, we fuck around with people. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> right? <laughs> how do you guys do that? That's really fun. <laughs> That's awesome. When we go to a restaurant and 10 of us roll in in wheelchairs and yeah. people are like, oh, my God. <laughs> They're overwhelmed. Fuck. What do we do? Yeah, what yeah. do we do? Right? Yeah. The look on their face is like, what language do they speak? Like, yeah. How am I supposed to talk to this Do you person? think, is that it? Like, do you think a part of it's like, they don't know what the proper way is to yes. react? Is that like... Yes. A lot of people don't want to offend you, okay. right? So they yeah. end up either not saying anything or they end up saying super offensive stuff. But like, <laughs> yeah. they don't even read it. Like, <laughs> wow. Like, uh, okay, cool. You just totally offended me, but okay. Yeah, yeah. 
And yeah, wow. but that's the thing is like breaking the stigma. And that's been one of my big goals since being paralyzed is breaking the stigma of people with disabilities, right? Mm-hmm. The only way to do that is to be a person with a disability, go into the able-bodied world and be, be like, hey, there. I'm a normal person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can treat me like a normal person. Totally. Right? Oh, wow. That's the thing. It's almost as if they feel like they need to communicate with you differently. Yes. And they do. And that's not, yeah. <laughs> and they do. Damn. That's insane. Yeah. Hey? What, yeah. Do you, what do you think is... The biggest thing that uh, you were that shocked you, not even shock you, but like that you became aware of of yourself since you started your non for profit, where you kind of maybe took a step back, being and you were like, "Wow, I just noticed this about myself." And you either liked it, you didn't like it, but it was this quality in you that kind of came out. I guess it was just process. being like, it's hard to pinpoint like a certain quality, yeah. but like sometimes because I don't think I'm anything special. Right. We're kind of bred to think like you're just I'm just a normal person doing normal things. Right. And it took one of my friends who's a psychologist to be like, Bean, this is not something that everybody would do. And I was like, really? And she just told me this last year. okay? And I'm like, really? And she's like, yeah, man, like not everybody is going to get paralyzed and then like open a gym. Yeah. But I was like, to me, I just feel like this is what normal people would do. <laughs> wow. See, that's cool. That's the gifted part of it. Yeah. Right? And so then, you know, it's funny because me, Nancy and I, sometimes we just said this last week, we looked at each other. We're like, what have we done? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we can't stop now. Like this has to keep like, going. <laughs> what did we do? We're yes, like last week. Yeah. We're sitting there. All of our staff, everybody had left. We're sitting there. We're like, holy shit, we did this. Yeah. Like we did this, right? That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's and a just, cool feeling. Hey, yeah. like when you see yeah. everything in action and then you look at it and you're like, this would not happen yeah. if I did, didn't plant this idea and be yeah. here every step of the way. Yeah. Cause on a day to day basis, cool. you're just kind of like, okay, I have this meeting today. I have this meeting today. I got to get this thing on. I have like 50 emails to send, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But when you really like take a step back and you're like, holy shit, first of all, I'm running a business. Yeah. I'm an adult now. It's pretty cool. I'm doing adulting things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Right? And it's like, awesome. And yeah. then you're enjoying the process. Like, yeah. it, I'm sure at that point, it doesn't even feel like work because you're giving back to the yeah. community and it's 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 to it's to people who you really care about and mm. that you want to be able to see do better. Yeah. Right? That's like things like this, right? Like, to me, this is technically work, yeah. but it's not, right? I just value, I'm very grateful for every opportunity that's landed in my lap Definitely. and like super uh, appreciative um, yeah. to be alive, first of all, totally. and then to be able to um, have a positive message for people. And I feel like so much negativity going on in the world yeah. and uh, it's hard to find people who are positive and who are, who can sustain their positivity, Yeah, exactly. I guess. And find, like, the real person yeah. uh, behind the photo. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, it's so easy now to look someone up, you know, see what they're doing, mm-hmm. see what they're up to. But mm-hmm. then, you know, we take a minute, and that's exactly why we wanted to start this, is be like, you know what? Let's have people know the real mm-hmm. Bean. Let's have people really hear for who she is mm-hmm. and for every other guest that we're bringing on to, to shine that light and have them speak about things they care about. Yeah, man. That's right? cool. It's at this point, Bean, you know, we will take a... We'll take a moment to appreciate you. I, I want to let you know that you're the the first person that I really see in Edmonton taking the time and taking the energy to do something that is not easy to do. Thanks, first man. of all, right? Like with your philanthropic organization and with you being able to do this, anybody I bet who isn't even in the position you're in, if they had the ability to 
to do all these things and, and move around, it would still feel impossible to them. So for you to be able to do that, I appreciate you for doing Thanks, that. Thanks, man. Right? Like, there's so many people, even for me, like, I have a friend in mind who I want to call as soon as this interview's <laughs> over and let him know that I think I found his answer. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and that's something where I'd love to send him your way. Yeah, for sure. And he's somebody who, again, he, he trusted the medical system and now he despises it. Because yeah. a doctor looks at him now, and again, no offense to doctors, mm-hmm. but it's like when they reach a point where they look at you and they're like, it just happened. Mm-hmm. And we don't know why. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, people don't want to feel like they don't have an answer. They mm-hmm. want to feel like there's that hope. Mm-hmm. And you give that for people, right? And you took that even before for yourself. You reached a point where you weren't going to let that change your life. Yeah. Right? And you did everything you yeah. did. You did your research. You talked to people. So that's amazing. Thanks, man. And I hope that, you know, for the people listening to this, they get inspired and they, they realize how blessed they are mm-hmm. and that they should never give up. Yeah. Hundred percent. One you know. thing I would say in my speeches is like, you know, be grateful for that step you're gonna take. Yeah. Right? Be grateful for that gas pedal you're gonna push down. Exactly. Because you don't know when things are gonna be taken from you, right? So when you're complaining about running on the treadmill for ten minutes or having to run stairs, do it for the people who can't. Because yeah. I would murder somebody to run stairs. Exactly. Don't, I'm not murdering that. anybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I won't, I swear. <laughs> no, but you make a great point, right? Yeah. Like, be a, just simply be appreciative of yeah. what you've got. Yeah. yeah, and I think a lot of people feel invincible. Yeah, like, everyone feels invincible, right? Mm-hmm. And then when, you know, something happens or whatnot, then it just, like... Totally. Exactly. Well, you know what, Bean, at this point, we're going to ask you some quick, easy fire shot questions. Cool. And we'll wrap it up that way. Just uh, something for people to get to know uh, the personal Bean a little bit more. Okay. So we'll start off real quick Uh with your favorite quote and why. My favorite quote? Yeah. Oh, geez. Um... Well, lately in my head, I've been like I'm a huge Tupac fan. Nice. I, I wanted to marry him, <laughs> and then he died. I don't know. I don't know why. I'm not surprised, right? <laughs> <laughs> From what I've gathered so far. Um, but lately in my head has been keep your head up. Sweet. Right. It's hard sometimes. You don't want to, but like that verse has always been in my head the last couple of months. Actually, just keep your head up. Yeah. Right. I like Things that. are gonna get better. Cool. Yeah. Which woman on earth, uh, whether they're uh, still alive, still breathing, or uh, they were living, uh, you know, once upon a time mm-hmm. in the world. Which woman do you absolutely idolize, and why? My mom, easy nice. peasy, my mom. I love that. Yeah, she's like the strongest woman, yeah. right? Like has done everything for us. She's got four kids, basically raised us on her own. Has worked double double jobs for like twenty years, right? And just doesn't stop. Yeah. And like never gives up, and like she's a fighter, right? Yeah. And she's feisty, so that's where we get it from. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> that that bubbly personality, right? Yeah, <laughs> I love it. And next question is: picture a perfect day and explain it to me. Perfect day for you. It could be anything, and anything can happen in that oh, day. But goodness. what 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 does that perfect day look like for you? Oh boy. A perfect day? Yeah, a perfect day. And it could be as simple as whatever it is that you have in mind. But uh, maybe just nice and simple, some lay out some things that make a perfect day for you. Um, okay. Well, I would eat really good food. Awesome. Right? Um, I'd work out. That's definitely. For sure. Um, in my perfect day, I would be able-bodied. I would have my mobility back. I wouldn't have to deal with my bladder. I wouldn't have to deal with my spasticity. Of course. 
Um, and I don't know. Like that's that's a very weird question. Yeah. I I don't know. So I would hang out with my family. Yeah, I would yeah, hang out with my friends, do. and like just you know tell everybody that I how you feel that I love them that I'm appreciated I appreciate them. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Just be happy, I guess. There you go. I love it. And last but not least, on this perfect day for me right now, um, we we chose you to be on this interview because we believe you embody the second floor mentality. And for us, as Omid and I are, are really putting out there, is those people who are on the second floor are people who you know thrive and, and survive and and they keep the good vibes going. Right? They do whatever they can to mm-hmm. to impact other people. And and I want to know. What is your definition of being on the second floor? Like, what do you feel like it takes to be on the second floor? Not on the podcast, but just metaphorically in life. I think just a good attitude, right? Having a good attitude, having uh, faith in something, um, believing in yourself, and uh, just, you know, being true to yourself and, like, knowing who you are and being okay with it. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. I feel like I should have had a notepad for today's yeah. podcast, yeah, so right? I like, yeah. there's a, you, I'm gonna listen to this yeah. again and take you notes. Asked all the honestly, questions. I should have been taking notes. <laughs> that was awesome. Well, you know what, Bean? I really appreciate your time. I know you're a very busy woman, and I want to thank your sister, Tim, for having us do the show here today in a comfortable setting. Yeah, so. man. That was awesome. Thank you, Bean. Thank you very yeah, much. That was yeah, great. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. That's a wrap, guys. Thank you so much. That's a wrap.